I'm Mark Rees, and welcome to my curious podcast where, in each episode, I look at a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And in this episode, we'll be going in search of the devil's dog itself, the hound of darkness, a gigantic black beast with glowing red eyes which terrorised the roads of Wales. None other than the Gwithki. And we'll be going in search of the secret origins of this vile beast to try and uncover what its name really means and to look at the folklore to look at how in centuries gone by people feared this animal stalking the haunted lanes at night. Right up to the modern day where, yes, this creature is still seen today and bizarrely has become linked with Wales's most famous man of words, none other than Dylan Thomas. So never mind rage, rage against the dying of the light. In this case, it's more rage, rage against the big black dog-looking thing with glowing red eyes that hunts you down at night. Or something. (laughs) Clearly, I am not a poet. I I will leave the poetry to Mr. Thomas. Now, before we get into the story of the Gwilki, regular listeners might have noticed that at the start of this podcast, I used a... Yes, a real sound effect. And sound effects are not one of my specialities. They are usually, let's be honest, a bit rubbish. But in this case, I thought it was important to set the scene because we are dealing with... A dog foaming at the mouth, howling at the moon. Now, granted, in this case, that was not an actual recording of a gwiski. It is, as you might have guessed, the sound of a wolf howling at the moon. And this is something I thought would be relatively easy to do. Just just pop on a free site, search for wolf howl, press download, off you go. But it's amazing how much rubbish there is out there and how much I had to sift through to find that one. And while I'm not going to inflict all of them on you, I appreciate that you're listening to this podcast because you are interested in ghosts and in folklore, not rubbish sound effects. Nevertheless, (laughs) when I saw... (laughs) a sound file called Howl of the Night, I thought that sounds perfect. And what it actually sounded like was this. Now, I'm no expert in wolf noises. Um, I've seen enough vampire films and things to know what to expect. But if I had to put my money on it, I would say that is not an animal. Rather, to me, that sounds like a man who has dropped something heavy on his foot. It's a man who's dropped 
an anvil on his big toe. I don't know. One more, one more time. Oh, oh, oh! There is no way that is a wolf. That That is a man. And at the other end of things, equally disappointing for the opposite reason. This is the last one, I promise. Last sound effect. And then we get into the stories. But this one, this one was called Wolf Growling. Again, that sounds perfect. Wolf Growling. Now, listen to this Wolf Growling. <laughs> No, no, you, you didn't miss anything. That really was the sound. What, one more time. Which to me sounds like neither a wolf or a growl. I mean, it, it doesn't even sound like a man trying to impersonate a wolf this time. It sounds like nothing a, a human or an animal w w would make. I mean, the nearest thing I can think of is it reminds me of the, the doors in Star Trek, those kind of space-age doors on a spaceship doing that kind of swoosh kind of shh noise. I, I, I don't know, but that's the end of that. For the sake of this podcast, if I need to illustrate the sound of a gwithki using a wolf in its place, I will be sticking to this one and only sound effect. So, the Gwithki, Gwithki, the Welsh Dog of Darkness, as it is also known. Now, the idea of a huge dog stalking people in the dead of night isn't unique to Wales. I think, in certainly in Britain, the most famous one would be Black Shuck uh, from East Anglia. And the Gwithki does bear a lot of similarities with this dog. There are some differences. But anyone familiar with Black Shuck will have an idea of what I'm talking about here. Maybe in the world of fiction, we can imagine the Hound of the Baskervilles in the Sherlock Holmes story, which itself was not supernatural. I won't I won't spoil that story for you in case you haven't haven't read it. But again, this feeds on the 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 fear we have that there is something out there in the darkness, in the forest at night, on four legs, howling at the moon and stalking us and ready to eat us up or, or, or lick us to death, <laughs> depending on how well you get on with dogs. Now, the Welsh variation, Gwithki, the name is a combination of two Welsh language words. The second word Gi, uh, which is also key. Key is the Welsh for dog. That's a nice, easy one. The first one, gwyll, is believed to be the word gwyllt, which could mean wild or twilight, or another theory by one of my folkloric heroes, by the Reverend Elias Owen, who wrote an Eisteddfod winning collection of folklore back in the late 19th century tells us that at the time of his writing, gwyll, without the T at the end, just gwyll, is the Welsh language word meaning fairy or goblin. And I hope he is right, because if so, that does make the gwyllki mean fairy dog or goblin dog. At the same time, gwyllt is also quite evocative, and to think this could mean wild dog or twilight dog. Now, take your pick, any of those four names, I think, is quite suitable for the dog we will be discussing.
I should also note very quickly as well that fans of Welsh mythology or, or folklore and legends might well be familiar with the Cwn Anun. And this is another type of spectral dog said to haunt whales with, with connections to the Mabinogion. Uh, we, we do love our supernatural dogs in Wales, but this is a different kind of beast, and we will be looking at them in a Mabinogion episode in the future. For this episode, we will stick to the Gwilki. As to their appearance, now this is something I wrote about in a, in a book a few years ago called The A to Z of Curious Whales, and as mentioned, they have a lot of similarities with other supernatural dogs in, in Britain and, and further afield, the other spectral dogs haunting Ireland and other European countries. And there are variations, even in Wales, there are different reports of what this Gwilki looks like. But I think what everyone does agree on is this is definitely a large dog, much like a mastiff. So if you can think of a mastiff, which sometimes appears like a solid animal, but at other times they can be more ethereal in nature, more ghost-like, more like a spectre kind of a dog. Again, as mentioned, they have a haunting howl, like that lovely sound effect I have. And their breath is said to be putrid. You do not want to get too close to these dogs, although not just for their breath, for lots of other reasons as well. Their most distinctive features are their two glowing red eyes. And... These dogs, as will become evident in, in the stories coming up, they tended to stalk people on roads at night. And so those glowing red eyes, almost like headlights coming towards you, might be the first things that you saw when you caught a glimpse of this Gwilki. And in some extreme cases, they might be the last things that you see as well. So that is where the name comes from. That is what they look like. What is an encounter with a Gwilki actually like? Well, for these accounts, we're going to turn to another one of my folkloric heroes, and that is an American called Wirt Sykes, who was based in Cardiff during the late uh, Victorian age, from where he chronicled Welsh folklore. And despite the slightly misleading name, he published an incredible book called British goblins. There aren't many goblins in it, to be fair. It's more fairies and things than goblins. And there isn't much about Britain either. I, you know, a better name would have been Welsh fairies and stuff. But there you go. It's called British goblins. And Mr. Sykes notes that in his experience, the people who encountered the Gwilki were so overcome by the experience that they fall senseless. So by senseless, they could run away screaming like a mad person, or they could just faint in a heap and land where they are. Now, in one tale, he talks about a Rebecca Adams who came across one as she returned home near Larne Castle. Now, Larne Castle is going to be important when we talk about Dylan Thomas later, but Larne Castle in the, the, the wonderful little town of Larne in Carmarthenshire. And he makes a point of telling us at the start that she is a good Christian, so whatever was to befall her, it's not because she was a bad person as such, 
although she did ignore her mother's advice. Her mother warned her not to walk along a particular lane next to a pit called Pent a Madog, which was said to be haunted and Many people had seen apparitions there, but she was not frightened. That was nonsense. She went on her way anyway. Now it was quite dark. And as she passed the haunted pit of Pant Amadog, she quite prematurely, quite foolishly, you might say, congratulated herself for having walked the path and not seen a ghost. Until. There's always an until, isn't there? Until she saw and I'm quoting, a great dog coming towards her when, within about four or five yards of her, it stopped, squatted on its haunches, and set up such a scream. So loud, so horrible, and so strong that she thought the earth moved under her. Then she fell down in a swoon. When she was revived, it was gone, and it was past midnight when she got home weak and exhausted. Now, in that respect, she was not hurt too badly, but she did get one heck of a fright from that gwethki. But in Sykes' other account, this was much more detailed and much more of an intense encounter. It took place in what he called a haunted lane, another haunted lane, in the Vale of Glamorgan. And it was a farmer called Mr. Jenkin who was making his way home after market on his horse when suddenly, from out of nowhere, the horse just reared itself onto its back legs, threw the farmer to the ground, and made a bolt for it. The horse legged it. Now, soon after, the horse made its way back to the farm where a farm servant called Old Antony found what, what was described as a terrified mare which was missing a man on its back. So Old Antony decided to go in search of his boss and there he found him lying on his back in that lane and when he asked him what had happened his exact words were and I'll quote again from Vert Sykes he protested it was the Gwethki and nothing less that had made all this trouble. And his nerves were so shaken by the shock that he had to be supported on either side to get him home, slipping and staggering in the mud in a truly dreadful fashion all the way. Now, old Antony managed to get his boss back safely and having listened to that tale some people might have thought it was a bit fantastical maybe he'd bumped his head after being thrown from the horse and was imagining ghostly dogs chasing him in the dark but it wasn't that fantastical to old Antony because he also had first-hand experience with a Gwethki And it had happened when he was not so old, Antony, back when he was younger, Antony. Now, it was as he was making his way home one night, and I love the way Victorian texts 
beat around the bush here on what exactly he was doing, but he had been out courting a young woman of his acquaintance, and her name is delicately withheld as he did not marry her late one Sunday night. Now, what is interesting to me here is, regardless of what that young couple were or were not getting up to that Sunday night, is that Sykes makes a point of telling us this was on a Sunday night. Now, in the last story, that good Christian still encountered the Gwilty, although she was left unharmed. In this case, reading between the lines, it sounds like younger Antony was was getting up to something he probably should not have been getting up to on a Sunday. On the Lord's Day, although it, it is also mentioned it might have been very early Monday morning by the time he had his encounter, but he was in the haunted lane when he saw two large shining eyes ahead of him. Again, as mentioned, almost like glowing red headlights coming towards him. But what is very unusual about this encounter, what is very unique about young Antony's encounter with the Gwilki, is its description. And I'll directly quote again, but this Gwilki is said to be what seemed a form of human shape above, but with the body and limbs of a large spotted dog. Now this, I I don't know of any others that describe it as half human, half dog-like, or having spots. Either way, this description, according to Old Antony, was human shape above, so I'm assuming like a centaur where from the waist upwards was human, but the body and limbs of a large spotted dog. So, the four legs of a dog, presumably, and, and the tail and bits. <laughs> Whatever this thing looked like, it doesn't sound good. He threw his hat at the terrible eyes, and the hat went whisking right through them. So this is an example of one of the ethereal versions of the Gwilki, not a solid, physical Gwilki, and it fell into the road beyond. However, the spectre disappeared, and the brave Antony hurried home as fast as as his shaking legs would carry him. Which brings us to the end of our second tale concerning a Gwilki, which was recorded in the late 19th century. But what I'd like to do now is to bring things bang up to date. There continues to be reports in the current day of people seeing what could be described as Gwilki-like apparitions across Wales. Anglesey has been one location, Wrexham has been another. But the one I have some personal experience with is Larn, the town in Carmarthenshire we mentioned earlier, which has that famous castle as a major landmark, but is probably best known for the time Dylan Thomas lived there during the last years of his life in quite an idyllic spot in his boathouse, which looked out over his heron-priested shore and where he had his writing shed, uh, which is an area which is open nowadays to tourism, which does have its own ghost stories connected to it, which, as I often say, 
is a story for another podcast. But for this podcast, thinking about the Gwithki, this dog has been seen walking these streets. These streets which Dylan Thomas and his family once walked. But what I'd like to concentrate on is a resort and a health spa in Larne, not far from Dylan's old abode. And that is called the Corrin. C-O-R-R-A-N. And it was a, a few years ago in 2015, I believe, I was invited to the Corrin to record a short documentary and to write about the ghosts which were supposedly haunting the building at the time. I was joined by a group of professional paranormal investigators. They were there with their devices to scientifically look for what was going on. I was there with my journalist hat on, so I was there to interview people and to keep a record of what people thought they'd seen and what they thought was going on. Now, the most interesting stories came from the people who worked the night shifts. And there is one in particular I would like to focus on because I think it could tie in directly with the stories of the Gwithki in the area. And what I particularly liked about it is when I suggested this to the man who told me the story, he did not know anything about the Gwithki beforehand, or at least he claimed not to, which makes his story even more fascinating to me because this is somebody who, if we take his word for it, had no real interest in this beforehand and so had not looked into other people's experiences. And yet, what he reports does certainly match up with things which have been seen for centuries. But what, what I'd like to do is to read his first-hand account of working the night shift to you. So, and as you might have noticed, I am not including the person's name in this story. And also, it's, it's worth mentioning, I, I think the entire resort has changed hands since I was there to investigate as well. But nevertheless, this is the account I recorded at the time. And he said, Between 3am and 4am in the morning, it goes cold. Really, really cold. The whole place is freezing. One night, I sat down in room five to watch a film during my break. I was half dozing, and all of a sudden, I felt like I was paralysed. I couldn't move. I felt like I wanted to get up, but I just couldn't. And then I saw it. A black thing walked past. I thought it was a dog. It looked like a, a big black Alsatian. It bared its teeth and then disappeared again. Now that's the end of the first part of his account, but this was not an isolated incident. And then he carries on. He, he told me that I didn't tell anyone at first. You don't want to admit to these things. But then I heard about a girl who also used to do the night shifts. She saw something similar run across the bar and she just ran out. One of the boys in the kitchen, who were there, where there are two swinging doors on either side, saw something come in through one and then leave out the other, the doors swinging behind it. It has happened to me a few times since then, 
and now I know when something's coming. It's always around 3.30am and it just gets freezing. I used to think there was, there was something wrong with me and I was going to see my doctor about it, but it doesn't bother me now. At the end of the day, they can't harm you. Which is quite a philosophical and quite a reassuring way of looking at it because this Gwilki, if indeed it is a Gwilki, cannot harm you. But I, I do think it's interesting that there are similarities there, certainly with the description of the dog, which has often been seen in Larn anyway. The fact that it's been seen by more than one person, this man, as well as the girl he mentioned who ran out afterwards, and the person working in the kitchen, and it left the man feeling paralysed like he couldn't get up, which goes back to the 19th century reports, where... It, it was said to have, what again, one of the extreme effects on you. It would either make you go bonkers and run, like the girl who left her job, or it would just make you flop in a heap. And in his case, it appeared to do the second. Now, whether or not that is a case of a Gwilki haunting the Corran, or some other explanation, there are a lot more stories to come from Lan and from Dylan Thomas's boathouse. And I, I hate to keep doing this, that really is a podcast for another day because we really are reaching the end of this one. Although the good news is that the Dylan Thomas Lan episode will be the next episode, which means depending on when you're listening to this, if you're super keen and you're listening on the day this is uploaded, you've only got to wait seven days for the next episode. If you're playing catch-up, there's a good chance the next episode is already online, and as soon as you reach the end of this episode in a few minutes, just press play on the next one. And if learning about the Gwilki has maybe sparked some old memories in your own mind, maybe you've seen some mysterious dog with the dead giveaway are those glowing red eyes in the past, maybe you've got a story that you'd like to share. Maybe you are outside of Wales, maybe you've seen the Black Shuck in East Anglia, or something even more exotic somewhere else in the world. Wherever you are, and whatever experiences you've had or heard of, it would be wonderful to hear from you. So please, track me down on social media. I'm quite easy to find. Search for Mark Race and put ghosts in or something, and I'll come up at the top of the search. And please let me know what you think of this episode and what you think of the Gwilki. Drop me an email if that is easier. And I have to do this every episode. But if you have enjoyed this, please, please, please consider hitting the subscribe button. It really does. It means a lot to me because I know people are listening and it's worth making more of these podcasts. And it's good for you because you've got no excuse to ever miss an episode. You'll get a reminder telling you whenever I've uploaded a new one. And on that note, I hope you've enjoyed these stories. I hope you've enjoyed the special effects. Yes, even the rubbish man banging his toe and... Captain Kirk farting sound effects. And the next time you find yourself on a lonely road at three, maybe four o'clock in the morning, and it suddenly gets very icy cold.
cold, and you see in the road ahead a pair of what appear to be two glowing headlights, maybe, coming towards you. Well, you know exactly what to do. Thank you very much. Dioch and Var Jan. Nostar. Thank you.